Welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers, giving you the motivation and inspiration you need to make the most of your later years. Whether you're still in the planning stages or you're several years in, we'll share stories from boomers who refuse to act their age and continue to live a life inspired. Let them show you how being old can be new if you know what to do with your host, Terry Lorbeer. Hello and welcome to Kick-Ass Boomers. My guest today is Michelle Holmes. Michelle has 30 years of homeschooling experience. She has eight kids and 11 grandkids. She graduated six kids, four now have college degrees, and two are currently in college. And she is currently homeschooling her two youngest, which means she's up to date on the current trends in the homeschooling community. She's married to her high school sweetheart, Ed. She started and led a homeschool co-op that is still going strong 20 years later, averaging 150 to 200 kids a year. Michelle has counseled hundreds of women from diverse backgrounds in various stages of homeschooling, and she has led multiple workshops about starting homeschooling, homeschooling high school students, and scheduling your homeschool week. Welcome, Michelle. How are you today? Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to be here today with um, you. I'm excited to have you. And it's funny because we met at Podcast Movement this past August, and you were explaining that you did homeschooling, and you were telling me that many grandparents are actually jumping in and helping out with homeschooling because of COVID. So, you know, the parents are busy. They're trying to work from home. The kids are over on another computer, you know, trying to talk to teachers. So grandparents are jumping in and trying to help homeschool. And I think that's a fabulous idea. So tell us what you do and explain how you might be able to help them. Well, I have been, like you said, I've been homeschooling for a very long time and I ran a homeschool group. I actually started it. And the last, um, in the last year, I kind of moved out of my role as the executive director for that organization and started my own online business where I help homeschool parents take on high school. And so I help the parent learn everything that they need to do so they can facilitate a wonderful high school experience for their teens at home. And I bet it's so scary because I did not homeschool my four children, but I wouldn't have known where to begin. So you're a great resource because I know parents are like, oh my God, I want to do it because everything's so disruptive, but how do I do it? So how do you help people? Yeah. And it doesn't make a difference. Like I help people at, um, I focus more on high school because it gets really scary at the high school level. Like, am I doing this right? Am I going to make sure my kids have all the credits? What about transcripts? There's like a whole list of things, but it doesn't make a difference if you have been homeschooling. Like I have homeschooled my children since kindergarten, but once I got to that high school level, I was just as afraid as somebody starting at that high school level. So I just kind of want like, Everybody's afraid of high school. It doesn't make a difference when you started homeschooling. But it's, you know, for me, it was just a matter of a lot of research. And because I've been homeschooling so long, I didn't have access to the internet. It was like a lot of conferences and workshops. And, but now the problem is there's so much information out there. It's so much free information that that's almost overwhelming because 
you don't know what to decipher, what to do, and what's the best thing for your child. Because I have my eight children, and each of them I've homeschooled differently. I say they each had their own homeschool high school experience. And so it's um, so much information out there that I help the parent focus on what they need to know and how to create a type of homeschool experience that they want for their student. So that's what I have to do. And to make sure that they have all the right courses so they can graduate and so that they can apply to colleges. I mean, there's a lot to know about high school that maybe you don't need to know for the younger grades. Right. Yeah. And at the high school level, you're, it just kind of feels like it gets real, like, okay, but do they, do, does my son or daughter want to go to a trade school? They, do they want to start a business? And so you're just kind of helping them facilitate their life goals and still making sure that you're meeting the, um, the state laws for homeschooling and your state laws. And so you're just kind of facilitating that and overseeing all of that. And I do think there's a misconception um, right now. So if you happen to be homeschooling, we call it, we call it lovingly granny school. I started this, I started this term when we started seeing in our homeschool group that grandparents were coming in and were the sole responsibility of the education for their grandchildren. And so you started seeing that now you even have like this, um, this nuances between the parent not being the sole educator, but the grandparent was stepping in. And so that's a whole nother um, system of people. You got to keep happy, right? Like if you're the grandparent, you got to keep the parents happy and everybody's got to be on the same page. And so there's a lot to navigate. It's not, it's not easy, but it's not hard if you set up a really good foundation and you know what you're trying to accomplish. So if you have all of those in place, it makes it easier to facilitate. Right, right. And I I think one of the scary things, like maybe for someone like me, I was never very good at math. So I'm like, how do you teach advanced math courses when you don't know the math yourself? So I guess you have an answer for that, right? Well, I do because um, I have severe dyslexia. And so I, there has been moments where I had self-doubt, but what I've learned over the years was to facilitate and look for other people that I could bring in and be on my homeschool team. And so I always looked for people outside of our home, tutors, online classes, anything that I felt unsure about or uncomfortable. Like I really didn't want to do chemistry with my kids, but my friend who has a degree in chemistry and biology loves science. So we got together and she taught the science class. And so that's what I've been, you know, like I've been doing this for over 30 years. So it's gotten easier in that um, respect of being able to find more people where I just kind of had to look right in my local community, but now we have the whole world at our fingertips with the computer and and technology. Yeah. With Zoom classes. I mean, we do. It's great. Now around in my area, I'm in Doylestown, Pennsylvania, a little like 45 minutes outside of Philadelphia. And our kids have been in school most of the time, but there's been other areas not far from me where they were doing all online classes. And it's really tough to get young children to focus on a Zoom call 
with the teacher. It's, I don't even have, a lot of them aren't learning very much. So I think homeschooling is really good. If that's going to be what's happening, you might as well homeschool. Well, and I think that that's a really important discussion about the difference between e-learning and what's going on with the public school versus homeschooling. They are not the same, even though people use them interchangeably, that e-learning and homeschooling, but they are not the same. And where they differ is that when you're being the one responsible for the education of your child, you're the one that is making all the decisions. So if you don't want to do class at eight o'clock in the morning, you don't have to do class at eight o'clock in the morning. I like that. <laughs> and, if you, and if your student is struggling, I have a daughter with severe dyslexia and about, and she's in college now, at about fifth grade, she was struggling. All her friends were reading well, it was just a lot of self-doubt. And I decided for the full year she was going to do just art classes and piano classes and circus classes that everything I was working for was eye hand coordination. And I was working on her self-confidence and it paid off. I could special, I could design a special year just for her to week on her work on her weaknesses. And so you have so much more freedom when you are the one responsible <laughs> for the education, right? Like you're like, okay. And you've got to be a little brave to trust, you know, your instincts. But uh, I've had um, a son that my son is gifted. He's through, he's in his master's and he was doing pre-calc by the time he was in seventh grade. And but he wasn't really ready for a classroom set situation because what is he like? Seventh graders don't sit still, right? And so he did an online class that was video. So it was no like, this is way before live Zoom classes. But he, I swear, he spent most of the time laying on the floor with the headphones listening to the lecture, right? Like, but I knew he wasn't ready for to be at our co-op in that type of setting. There's just no way he was going to sit still for that. And so that's the luxury where when you're e-learning, you have the teacher's schedule, you have the teachers telling you what times you're having the teachers tell you what they're learning. You have the teachers telling you what your vacation days are. Right. And so all that goes away. And I know it sounds secure, like, oh, but I have the school to rely on. But there is this freedom that comes along with homeschooling, even though you have a little bit more responsibility of making sure learning is happening. There's this whole new freedom, right? You're not dictated by someone's out just schedule. We, um, my kids were very into fall sports, football, volleyball. So between, uh, we homeschool for the whole year long. We go from August 1st through July 31st. And, but for the month of August through December, we have an alternating schedule where we do a lot of school on Sunday. We call it Sunday school, <laughs> but, <laughs> but my kids, they were going to practice like by two to three o'clock in the afternoon. And it didn't leave a lot of time for formal education at home during the week. So we just moved it to Sundays. There was a time when my husband was working second shift and um, I didn't, my kids would have never seen him had he, you know, they were littler. So we, we did school when he went to work in the evening. So that's the beautiful thing. Like you can really create an atmosphere where like homeschooling just becomes a lifestyle. It's just part of our day. And that's the freedom that comes with that. 
Oh, that's great. Now, what happened way back when that you decided I'm going to homeschool? Because you did it years ago when people weren't really doing homeschooling as much. So what made you decide that you wanted to do that? I did not plan on um, homeschooling and I did not plan on having eight children. I was going to have one child and I was going to work. And, <laughs> and um, that was a surprise. <laughs> that was my goal. And um, my oldest daughter, um, by the time she was five, she was already reading. She was already, I, don't, I know this sounds like the typical homeschooling <laughs> Genre. Oh, she was so gifted, but this was the situation. She was reading. We put her in private school, and within six weeks, this beautiful child who loved learning was struggling emotionally. She came home one day with a black crayon and had colored through the whole paper black. And when I asked her, "Oh, so how was your day?" This is kindergarten, right? Like, and she's just like. They asked me to color it and you know, it's a ditto sheet. I did all the homework they told me to do, but she was just so enraged that she was asked to color something because, you know, it was one of those papers where you circled everything on the left and she went in and hadn't did that. So when I, to speed up the story, when I went into the school to ask them like, what could we do to help give her a little bit more challenges? She's totally bored, totally miserable. And their recommendation was, because she was testing in second and third grade level was to move her into second grade. Well, her birthday's in July. She just turned five. And just like that, I'm like, no, like, okay, she might be able to handle that at the elementary level, but at high school, when all her friends are two to three years older than her, like, no, that's not going to be well for her. And then I met somebody that was, I kid you not, within the same week, I was at a political rally in our neighborhood and I met somebody that was homeschooling. And I, she's like, what do you have to lose? Like you've taught her everything so far. And I thought you're right. And so that's how I started. And so we took one year at a time and then, you know, more children came. I, well, when she, when I was homeschooling her, she, uh, we started, I had just had twins. So it made my life easier. I didn't have to pick everybody up in the car, babies into the car. And so it just happened. And so it was just that willingness to try knowing that I could always put her in a different school or put her in public school. And then one year became two and two became 10 and 10 became 20. And now it's over 32 years. And I'm actually graduating my last um, this year in 2020, well, coming year, 2022. Really? Wow. That's excellent. Congratulations. Thank you. I always like to say I get to retire in 2022 without a pension. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, definitely. I know, without a pension. (laughs) You've worked hard, but oh, too bad. (laughs) Yeah, too bad. But But you've got all these kids that are doing really well that went to college. So that's your reward. Yes. I like my adult children. That's my reward. <laughs> yeah. There you, go. there you go. And you know, it's funny because I had, I think three of my children were in what they called um, gifted classes and I would go in and they'd schedule a time with, well, this is what we're doing, blah, blah, blah. And I'd look at them and I'm thinking, you should be doing that for everyone. This is not gifted stuff you're talking about here. This is what you should be teaching every job. How can you call this a gifted program? So my kids were bored in school, but I was working, so I couldn't homeschool them. But 
you, you think you're getting a much better education in public school, but you're not always, you know, they've got set ways of doing things set and it's not always good for individual kids. It's made for the masses. And if your kids are different, they're going to have trouble. Yes, because I've had, I've had a couple of children with learning disabilities. And that's why I like to say that all of my children have had their own educational experience because, um, I've had to do something different. And I really, through homeschooling, really respect teachers and what they have to do. Yeah, do you know? it's tough. Uh, There's a lot of kids. At, at the time that we started homeschooling, the reason why we had chose the public, uh, the private rector, why we had decided to put our, our daughter in private school was that our school district had just been taken over by the state. There was 30 kids in a classroom with one teacher. And so that's the one of the, another, why we had decided to do public, uh, private school. But even though she was in this small setting with 10 or 12 kids, they still couldn't accommodate her special needs, right? Because she was still five. She was just five with the ability to memorize really well. That's what I say. Like she just could memorize really, really well, right? right. Like, <laughs> and so they, and so, but through all of this, I think, wow, like it's been difficult for me just kind of really honing in into each child and making sure that I'm designing something just for them. A public school teacher or a private school teacher just doesn't have that freedom. Unfortunately, if they could, I think those teachers would do a wonderful job if they could customize a curriculum for each student. Right. And they're getting more and more directives from people over them. They're, 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 they have less and less choice every year. It's really sad. I talk to teachers and they go, teaching is so different now. I just want to get out. They just don't want to be there anymore because they're told what to do, how to do it. And it's upsetting. They're, they were good teachers before, and now you're just giving them too many directives. It's, it's not good. So it's sad, but. But it's funny, back when I went to school, I went to the, a Catholic school, we had 70 children in a classroom. And sometimes the teacher was like 19 years old, because in the Catholic school, as long as you were going to college, you could be a teacher. So we had some, I don't know how they kept the, the discipline in the classroom. I don't know how they did it at such a young age, but they did. And I came, I, I learned enough to get on in life. Uh, but can you imagine 70 students in a classroom? No, I cannot. <laughs> yeah, that was all the way up to eighth grade in, and then um, in high school, high school, we had huge classes too. So I went to the largest Catholic high school in the country back in uh the uh, mid to the late sixties when I went to high school. So even the high school classes were really big. And it's funny because you didn't get individual um, help on deciding if you wanted to go to college or you didn't, or what's the best route for you. They just didn't have enough time. I never saw a counselor about anything. So I liked, I used to like to do hair. So I went to hairdressing school. I figured I enjoy that. Now I was, I was in the top 10% of my class, so I could have easily gone to college, but I didn't really know what I wanted to do at that point. And I was one of 11 children at home. So there really wasn't money to send me to college. So I went to trade school and it worked out fine. I mean, I didn't work that many years as a hairdresser, but I was trained. I could cut my kid's hair, my husband's hair, everyone's hair. So <laughs> in the long run, it saved me a ton of money. <laughs> I have a daughter who um, did cosmetology in high school, mm -hmm. and then she used that to pay her way through college. 
Wow. See that? Yeah. yeah that's and the way she's, to do she's it. working on her master's now. So, oh, good for her. Good for <laughs> but, her. but she used that as a way to make, you know, better. She decided it was better than flipping burgers. So she decided to learn how to cut hair and good for her. Yeah. I encourage my, I have encouraged my teenagers to have trades and so that they would have something to do when they left home to why they're in school so they can help with that college debt. Yes. (laughs) It gets bigger every year. It's like, oh my God, when my kids went to college in the nineties, we thought it was horrible, but it, when you look at what it is today, it was like a piece of cake. It's like, oh my God. Yeah. So it's, it's tough, but now, the other thing about high school is I think when you're homeschooling, at least in my area, you're allowed to go and join the clubs in the local high school or grade school or whatever so that they can be part. Is that was that that way for your children, too, so they could join the football team of the high school or they could join the marching band or they could be part of the orchestra like. They're now, and I don't think they were that way 30 years ago, but they are now that even though you're being homeschooled, your parents are paying taxes for the school. So they allow the kids to go and take part of all the other extracurriculum activities. Well, we actually found, so that is very um, subject to the school districts. And so we actually found that we couldn't just go and join something at our local high school other than band. Um, And that's because of the eligibility and the state of Illinois. I live in the state of Illinois. It's like 40 pages long for eligibility for sports. And so one of theirs, like it's getting easier now, like, but in order for my son to have played football at the high school level, he would have had to take three classes at the public school in order to meet eligibility. Right. And so, but my friend who lives in a totally different um, district, her girls played soccer and they didn't have to do that. So it's really subject to what the local school is allowing and and what um, in what the state and what their eligibility. I mean, eligibility, I didn't realize I actually read the eligibility rules because I wanted to know what we could and couldn't do. And so um we actually in our area, we're um, a metropolitan area, and we've had some homeschool leagues. So my kids played um, football and they did cross country and they did volleyball and they did that through a homeschooling club um, organization. And we actually played on and we actually played against um, we were actually on the Catholic League. So we played all the Catholic schools in the, in the conference. That was our conference. They allowed us to come in and play. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, I went to a Catholic school, so I'm used to that. Our bands and all that had to compete with whatever the other Catholic schools were doing, but yeah, 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 it was great. And so, you know, and so that's a, that's a lot of um, conversations that happens at the high schools. Like, well, what about sports? And, uh, you know, especially with COVID, I think what COVID has done is opened the world up to seeing that they can't be so strict, that they need to see the bigger picture of what's going on in their communities. And so now you can be scouted through a traveling club or, you know, like there's so many different ways, like if sports are 
um, really important to you. This the my one friend whose daughter was playing soccer. She actually um, was picked to be on the pre team for um, soccer for the Olympics. And so there's tons of homeschoolers that have went on. My son got a football scholarship did he? and he wow. did, and he didn't even play high school wow. in um, high school football, but he, um, he met the coach. He was with his friend, was, was working out with his friend at this particular school. And the coach met him and liked him and offered him a scholarship and wow. he played football <laughs> there. So, so it's kind of crazy. And so that's, that's what I have seen over the years is that my children had had the same opportunities that other kids have had, even though that we were um, restricted in that area of um, sports when it came to sports. That's usually the big one when it comes. It's the biggest one. It's like, well, my kid's going to be a professional baseball player. And you're like, well, I hope they are. But they, but you know, there are other ways in the high school your public school or private school, you can still get them to where there's walk-ons at every college. My one daughter is um, um, going to do a walk-on tryouts for the, one of the colleges that she has maybe in her, she's just deciding her top three list. But if she goes to this one particular, she's already talked to the coach, she's already met him and said, can I come in and try a walk-in? And they're like, sure. And so I think we forget that as parents, like we forget, like, there are other ways to play college sports than just a recruiter and the coach at the public or private school. You oh, can get well, there. That, that's good news. That's really good news. Yeah. So do you have any last minute advice for grandparents that might have to dive in because they're trying to help their children who are working all the time, or if they're in charge of this, you know, there's a lot of grandparents raising their own grandchildren because of they different are. events. So what would be your best advice for them? Well, there's, that's two different situations. So if you are the one that has sole custody of your children and you are then responsible for their education and you want to homeschool, and I've had like three friends that were put into this situation where they had full custody and um, educational responsibility and homeschooled. And so um, to that, I would say you're going to just treat it like every other homeschool parent, like you're the parent, you're the one that's in charge. And so to that parent, I would say it's really important to lay down the foundation of having a vision and mission statement, having some goals set out. And it doesn't really matter at what age the child is, but when you get to that middle school, junior high, um, I would say it's really, really important to understand your homeschool laws, understand what the state's requiring of you, understanding what a credit is and how a credit can be formed. Because a credit isn't just getting a textbook and filling out the paperwork and taking some tests. It can be um, through time. You could be exposed to something. There's, there's like four different ways to create a credit to put on your children's transcript. And that the transcript is a document that you create that is just the same in any college or any employer, my transcript is just as valid as a public school or a private school because I'm considered a private school. Most homeschoolers are considered private schools in their state. I live in Illinois and that's we're considered a private school. I like to say, unlike the private school that you went to that had, usually they just have bigger budgets than my private yes. school, <laughs> right? right? Like, exactly. Right. And so, so for that parent that has the sole custody, um, 
you get to have the whole freedom of deciding everything that you want for that child. Now, for the parent that is um, taking on the educational responsibility of that child, it's a little different because the parents still have responsibilities, right? They're they're the ones that are legally responsible to educate that child. And so for that parent that's doing granny school, I think it's really important that the parent of the child and the grandparent are on the same page before they even start having a conversation with the child. It's like, what will education look like? And I actually encourage when there's a blended responsibility between parents, or let's say there's divorced parents, that you write an educational agreement and you write down what education is going to look like when it's in your home, if it's in uh, going to be split between the parent and the other person um, homeschooling the child, that it's going to be like, for instance, let me just give you an example of why this is really important. When my children were younger, play, and still is today as adults, play was really important in our structure of our day. I actually scheduled four hours a day. I wanted to make sure they were outside playing, but I counted that as part of educating them. And so for somebody who doesn't value play, they might look like the kids were playing all day. So it's really important to have that conversation even over play. And what that means. And so for the granny, for granny school or grandpa school, um, it's important that you and your child have an agreement and you know exactly. So there's there's a complete understanding of what's going to happen in that child's um, day or if the grandparent has that child at nighttime, that there's an agreement between them. And then from that point on, it's building a foundation just like every other homeschooler. So that would be the, the only difference is that I would suggest that a, a, a grandparent taking on the responsibility of their children to have an educational agreement with their own children. That sounds I, smart. That's so there's just no been misunderstanding down the road. No misunderstanding. And being in the homeschool group is what and leading it and being responsible for it. I actually got to the point where I had anybody who had responsibility for that child, they all had to join the co-op. So even if it was, since there's a lot of divorce, that's 50-50, both parents had to join the co-op because I wanted everybody on the same page. And I, because I was seeing this from a distance of the struggles and I actually homeschooled my nephew and my niece. And so even though they weren't my grandchildren, they came into my home and I was responsible for their education. And so from personal experience, I'm like, oh, I should have had an educational agreement way before, like that's right, right. learn, right? <laughs> right? And so I'm, I'm talking a little bit from experience here and why it's so important because, you know, my, even though I was homeschooling my nieces and nephews, like it was still important that I kept the relationship with my sibling. Right. And so you as a grandparent, you still have to have a relationship with your adult children and you don't want it to go sideways. So yeah. that's a protection. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That Even down good. to how much is budgeting, like for how much money you're going to spend. Yeah. Like all those little small details are really important to get started. 
It sounds like it. So where can my audience reach you if they're looking for information on homeschooling? Uh, do you have a web address you can give us? What's the best place yes. to go? Yes. And so um, my website is called homeschooldirective.com. And on there, it ha- I have coaching packages. I have just created three new tools to help the homeschool parent at the high school level. Mm-hmm. And then I have a course called the Ultimate Parent's Guide to Homeschooling High School. And um, you can find all of that at homeschooldirective.com. Perfect. That's great. So thank you so much for being with us today. I really appreciate it. And your website will be in the show notes. So if someone's listening while they're walking or exercising or whatever, they'll be able to just go to kickassboomers.com. They'll see your picture. They can click on it and all the show notes pop up. So your website will be right there so that if you're not able to write it down, don't worry, you'll be able to get in touch with Michelle. And I encourage you to do that. If you're thinking about homeschooling, this is a great place to go to get that information, to get the groundwork done the proper way. Like you said, it's perfect. Well, thank you for having me. I do appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah, I (laughs) loved it. And I think, I think, you know, even if someone's not interesting, interested in, in um, homeschooling their kids, it's an interesting conversation and it gives them extra knowledge that maybe they can talk to other people about down the road. So it's still an interesting topic for everyone, I think, because homeschooling could get bigger and bigger. It's, uh, you know, we're all so individual that I think if you can homeschool, it's really good to do that. It really is. Well, I think everyone should homeschool. There you go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope more people will after listening to today. I hope so. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. And it was great having you. Thank you. We appreciate you joining us for this episode of Kick-Ass Boomers. For more information on today's guest, along with the show notes and other inspiring resources, buzz on over to kickassboomers.com. And don't forget to join our Kick-Ass community on Facebook or LinkedIn to continue the conversation. Be bold, not old.